Before I read, I'm actually going to pray as well. Uh, So please join with me. Uh, Heavenly Father, as we come to uh, read your word now and hear from your word as Craig speaks to us, I just pray that you'd be helping us to understand uh, what this passage has to say, uh, helping us to uh, hear clearly from what is quite a, a strange and difficult story. I pray that you'd be helping Craig to speak with clarity and with wisdom as well. Amen. Okay, this is Genesis chapter 19. The two angels entered Sodom in the evening as Lot was sitting at Sodom's gate. When Lot saw them, he got up to meet them. He bowed with his face to the ground and said, My lords, turn aside to your servant's house, wash your feet and spend the night. Then you can get up early and go on your way. No, they said, we'd rather spend the night in the square. But he urged them so strongly that they followed him and went to his house. He prepared a feast and baked unleavened bread for them, and they ate. Before they went to bed, the men of the city of Sodom, both young and old, the whole population surrounded the house. They called out to Lot and said, Where are the men who came to you tonight? Send them out to us so that we can have sex with them. Lot went out to them at the entrance and shut the door behind him. He said, Don't do this evil, my brothers. Look. I've got two daughters who haven't had sexual relations with a man. I'll bring them out to you, and you can do whatever you want to them. However, do not do anything with these men, because they have come under the protection of my roof. Get out of our way, they said. This one came here as a foreigner, but he's acting like a judge. Now we'll do more harm to you than to them. They put pressure on Lot and, and came to break down the door. But the angels reached out, brought Lot into the house with them, and shut the door. They struck the men who were at the door of the house, both young and old, with blinding light, so that they were unable to find the door. Then the angel said to Lot, Do you have anyone else here, a son-in-law, your sons and daughters, or anyone else in the city who belongs to you? Get them out of this place, for we are about to destroy this place, because the outcry against its people is great before the Lord, and the Lord has sent us to destroy it. So Lot went out and spoke to his sons-in-law, who were going to marry his daughters. Get up, he said, get out of this place, for the Lord is about to destroy the city. But his sons-in-law thought he was joking. At the crack of dawn, the angels urged Lot on, Get up, take your wife and your two daughters who are here, or you will be swept away in the punishment of the city. But he hesitated. So because of the Lord's compassion for him, the men grabbed his hand, his wife's hand, and the hands of his two daughters, and they brought him out and left him outside the city. As soon as the angels got them outside, one of them said, Run for your lives, don't look back, and don't stop anywhere on the plain. Run to the mountains, or you will be swept away. But Lot said to them, No, Lord, please. Your servant has indeed found favor in your sight, and you have shown me a great kindness by saving my life. But I can't run to the mountains. The disaster will overtake me, and I will die. Look, this town is close enough for me to run to. It's a small place. Please let me go there. It's only a small place, isn't it? So that I can survive. And he said to him, All right, I'll grant you your request about this matter too, and will not overthrow the town you mentioned. Hurry up, run there, for I cannot do anything until you get there. Therefore the name of the city is Zor. Then the sun had risen over the land. The sun had risen over the land when Lot reached Zor. Then the Lord rained burning sulfur on Sodom and Gomorrah from the Lord out of the sky. He overthrew these cities, the entire plain, all the inhabitants of the cities, and whatever grew on the ground. But his wife looked back and became a pillar of salt. Early in the morning, Abraham went to the place where he had stood before the Lord. He looked down towards Sodom and Gomorrah 
and all the land of the plain. And he saw that smoke was going up from the land like the smoke of a furnace. So it was when God destroyed the cities of the plain. He remembered Abraham and brought Lot out of the middle of the upheaval when he overthrew the cities where Lot had lived. Lot departed from Zor and lived in the mountains along with his two daughters because he was afraid to live in Zor. Instead, he and his two daughters lived in a cave. Then the firstborn said to the younger, Our father is old and there is no man in the land to sleep with, as is the custom of all the land. Come, let us get our father to drink wine so that we can sleep with him and preserve our father's line. So they got their father drunk with wine, to drink wine that night, and the firstborn came to sleep with her father. He did not know when she lay down or when she got up. The next day the firstborn said to the younger, Look, I slept with my father last night. Let's get him to drink wine again tonight, so you can go and sleep with him, and we can preserve our father's line. That night they again got their father to drink wine, and the younger went and slept with him. He did not know when she lay down or when she got up. So both Lot's daughters became pregnant by their father. The firstborn gave birth to a son and named him Moab. He is the father of the Moabites today. The younger also gave birth to a son, and she named him Ben-Ami. He is the father of the Ammonites today. How are we doing? Good, we're on. All right, welcome everyone. Thank you for coming out um, and supporting me in this, my first sermon. Um, I've promised to you something more sensational than a soapy, and I hope to deliver. Um, so I'll need to pray. Um, Lord God, I thank you for your word that um, you've spoken to us and you've uh, given us examples in the Old Testament of um, yeah, how your people lived and uh, how you want us to live. And I pray that this time wouldn't be about me, but that it would be about uh, your word and getting to know you better and getting to love you more. Uh, in your son's name, amen. Uh, so what about the ones who get away with it? Uh, we always hear of the CEOs of companies that destroy the environment but never see a day in court. Um, we always know of mass murderers that get movies made out of them because they themselves were never caught. Um, and pretty much any mugging ever, uh, will never. the victims of their crime will never see justice. Um, and the question is, when will they get what they deserve? Uh, when will their victims see um, justice for the crimes committed against them? Um, I think this passage shows us uh, the answer to that question. Uh, the first thing that needs to be said regarding this passage is that there's no one good in this passage, except for God, of course. Um, they are all sinners. Uh, they have all done something wrong. Um, and we can see that there are pretty much two groups of people. There are the men of Sodom, and there's also Lot and his family. The men of Sodom, uh, they, they look like bad people. Um, we can see that from the text. Uh, their sin is fairly obvious. Uh, they've had a town meeting. They've gone together and decided, let's go and rape some angels. Uh, so in verse 4 it says, uh, Before they went to bed, the men of the city of Sodom both young and old, the whole population surrounded the house. They called out to Lot and said, Where are the men who came to you tonight? Send, us, send them out to us so we can have sex with them. It's a no-brainer that this is wrong. Um, they are demonstrating, yeah, 
they are demonstrating just how decisions can be justified simply because the majority think it's okay. Mob mentality, if you will. Um, I know for myself, mob mentality is particularly dangerous. Uh, I went on a church schoolies camp in year 12, and uh, we had some time in our small groups to get together and just reflect on the year gone by and the fact we were leaving school. And uh, instead of doing this, our glorious leader decided, you know what, let's play some pranks on the girls. And everyone on this island, we were on a, a nice tropical island near the Whit Sundays, and everyone had bicycles, and we decided, let's undo the brakes on all the girls' bicycles. Um, Mel was there, and she was victim to this as well, so she can talk about it from first-hand experience. Uh, but there were consequences for, this, for these actions. Uh, even though the, the island was pretty much as flat as you like, there was a gentle incline, and one girl rode down this gentle incline, panicked when she realized her brakes weren't working, and rode straight into a wall. Um, she was okay, or well, nothing serious, uh, but it, it doesn't stop there. The girl right behind her, no joke, did exactly the same thing, rode down the gentle incline, panicked when she realized she didn't have any brakes, and rode straight into the other girl. So... Um, so it was obviously an incredibly silly idea to undo brakes on these bicycles. And were I or any of the other guys in my Bible study by ourselves, we probably wouldn't have chosen to do this. But in a group situation, once the idea got going, either no one thought uh, the idea through, or no one was game, to say, game enough to say this actually might be a bad idea. Uh, in the same way, the Sodomites fell into mob mentality uh, when they decided as a group that raping, in angels, raping angels was an okay thing to do. Um, it shows how easy it is for humans when they group together uh, to do all sorts of bad things. Our individual moral compass uh, becomes eroded in a group situation. Instead, of, uh, instead, morality becomes determined by what the majority uh, or what the crowd think. Um, in Australia... Uh, we think of ourselves as being basically decent people, but I think the issue of asylum seekers uh, can show us that the world has a very different view of us. Um, a poll referenced in the Sydney Morning Herald uh, showed that Australians as a whole uh, wanted asylum seekers that arrived by boat to be treated more harshly. The majority opinion in Australia is that they are cheating their way in or are in some way illegal. Um, yet the UN is currently claiming that uh, we are failing the agreements we signed with regards to asylum seekers and their proper protection and processing. On top of that, uh, we're being investigated for human rights abuses in some of these detention centres. Um, inside the group of Australia, no one thinks we are doing wrong. Um, from the outside, though, we're being investigated for human rights abuses, and we are a first world country. I don't think Australia is morally as sound as people think it is. We may be blinded to just how bad we really are. Uh, we, like the Sodomites, do evil uh, even when we don't think we are. Um, so the men of Sodom can be thought of as the bad people. It's fairly obvious that what they're doing is wrong. Um, but Lot's family in the passage, the religious people of the passage, if you will, um, they, surely they would be good. Uh, a religious person 
I think, can see what is right and wrong with a little more clarity. But in trying to achieve that end, the ends can justify the means. A well-intentioned idea utilizes terrible ways, actions. Lot is faced with an awkward situation. A lot of men want to rape his guests, and he knows that is wrong. Verse 7, I beg you, my brothers, do not act so wickedly. But Lot's solution, whilst having the best of intentions, is utterly evil. Verse 8, he says, Behold, I have two daughters who have not known any man. Let me bring them out to you, and do to them as you please. He is trying to pimp out his daughters to please the crowd. Not, um, and yeah, not being a father yet, I can't quite get this emotionally. Uh, the few fathers I've talked to where the subject of harm to their kids comes up, knives, katanas, and general bloody violence tend to meet whoever wants to do harm to their kids. Yet Lot is willing to offer his daughters into a situation where, in gang rape situations, often the people get killed. We can see that Lot's own moral compass is clearly way off, and he's no better than any of the other people in the town of Sodom. Lot's daughters are just as bad, if not slightly disturbed. Uh, Verse 31, Our father is old, and there is not a man on earth to come in to us after the manner of all the earth. Lot's daughters realize that the prospects of marrying for them are lying in a pile of ash uh, in the town they've just come from, and they need descendants. Children are a blessing, uh, the Bible says this, but... Uh, Their solution to this situation is to sleep with their father. Verse 32. Come, let us make our father drink wine, and we will lie with him, that we may preserve offspring from our father. Is falling pregnant good? Yes. Is falling pregnant good with your father? Absolutely not. Uh, At uni, I was a part of a Christian group called Student Life, and this uh, group exists globally. And in New Zealand, I was told that there was a new Christian that wanted to become a full-time Christian worker um, for student life. And in order to do this, uh, you have to support raise, generate the funds and the money for yourself to work for you know, anywhere between one and three years. But unfortunately for my home country, uh, their moral compass is just a little off and prostitution is legal. And this new Christian thought to herself, I'll just, do a, I'll just do a bit of prostitution, you know, to help my support raising along, just to, you know, get me over the line. Um, it's fairly obvious in a country where perhaps prostitution isn't as acceptable that a Christian worker and a prostitute are not two professions that go together. Um, I'm told that she was sat down and um, told that God's plan for sex is not actually, sorry, is for marriage only. But um, it was certainly, yeah, certainly becoming a Christian worker is a good thing, but doing prostitution to get there um, ought to be rethought. Um, And what does this mean for us? Where do we as Christians, especially, uh, see a good end and use bad means to get there? The workplace, I find, is a massive issue. I didn't realize until this year, but I actually had to repent of gossiping. Uh, Not the kind of issue you normally associate with men, but in an all-male workplace, we are massive gossips. 
What I was trying to achieve was to be friends with the people I worked with. Uh, But in doing so, I was talking about other workers behind their backs, and I was disrespecting my boss. Um, And I wonder what it is like for you in your workplace. Uh, Do you disrespect your boss just so you have something to say at work? Or do you join in putting other people down just to fit in? Work itself is a good thing. To provide for one's family is biblical. But in the past hundred years or so, work has gone, gone from simply just being work to being the idea of a career. And the career is not a bad thing, but I think we can turn it into one. And I wonder as Christians, do we neglect to meet up with other Christians because we're too tired to do so? Or we just don't have enough time because work is such a struggle and such a stress. I wonder, is it possible that we do the bare minimum for church just to get by, just to tick the boxes, and then wonder why, as a church, we're not growing? Both of these things show us that everyone is guilty of sinning, even those that may appear good. The New Testament echoes this in Romans 3.22, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. No one is good, neither bad people nor religious people. So now we've seen that everyone in the story is, all, is in fact all bad. They're all sinners. So what is God going to do? Is he going to let the horrors of Sodom and Gomorrah go? Uh, the passage says judgment is coming. So the angels start off by bringing warning to Lot in verse 15. At daybreak, the angels urge Lot on, Get up, take your wife and your two daughters who are here, or you will be swept away in the punishment of the city. They explain why the judgment is coming in verse 13. For we are about to destroy this place because the outcry against its people is so great before the Lord that the Lord has sent us to destroy it. And finally, in verse 24 and 25, we have God's judgment. Then out of the sky, the Lord rained burning sulfur on Sodom and Gomorrah from the Lord. He demolished these cities, the entire plain, all the inhabitants of the cities, and whatever grew on the ground. The judgment is total annihilation of these cities and everyone in them. God is showing us that evil deeds deserve judgment, a judgment that results in death. A human system, justice system, isn't going to cut it. Like we said earlier, there's always going to be the people who get away with it. And the good thing about God is that nothing escapes his notice or attention. I'm sure in that town of Sodom and Gomorrah there were people who were arbiters of justice, yet they were probably there with the group of men wanting to rape those angels. Death as a punishment is the only way to stop these people from continuing to do more evil against other people. And we want this kind of justice, don't we? If we think about the Islamic State for a second, we know they have committed many atrocities. They've buried women and children alive. They've beheaded many people. Uh, They've taken many as slaves to be sold and bought as the men of uh, the Islamic State choose. 
and they've killed many Christians and forced many to flee in their convert or die policy. And what do we want? I know I want the combined powers of the Western nations to get together and to crush the Islamic State and everyone who fights for it. Death seems like the only reasonable option for the people that want that way of life to continue to prosper. Uh, a political ceasefire or increasing, san- increasing sanctions against them won't satisfy my desire for justice to be served against these people. But the single most horrifying thing the Bible has to say is that ju- this justice is coming for everyone. We've already established that we are all sinners. And Romans 6.23 says, uh, the wages of sin is death. This is not a physical death, but a spiritual everlasting death that comes as a result of judgment. How do we respond to this judgment? Lot's sons-in-law, I think, show us a common way in which people can respond to God's judgment. To set the scene, Genesis 19.12 says, uh, Then the angel said to Lot, Do you have anyone else here, a son-in-law, your sons and daughters, or anyone else in the city who belongs to you? Get them out of this place. So Lot went and spoke to his sons-in-laws, sons-in-law, who were going to marry his daughters. Get up, he said. Get out of this place, for the Lord is about to destroy the city. But his sons-in-law thought he was joking. Lot's sons-in-law reject the warning of Lot, thinking it to be a funny joke. And, you know, fair enough, if someone walked up to me and said, uh, Sydney's about to burn up in a few seconds... Uh, I, I probably wouldn't believe them. Uh, it, seems, it does seem ludicrous. But the joke's on them, I reckon. The very first beforehand has them being completely blind as a result of a miraculous event. Verse 11, They struck the men who were at the entrance of the house, both young and old, with a blinding light, so they were unable to find the entrance. You think a supernatural event like a light blinding everyone all of a sudden would make you more open to the possibility that God actually might be doing something in this town. The sons-in-law receive a warning. They were shown a sign and still chose not to believe. And I think, though, that these sons-in-law represent a lot of people today. If you aren't a Christian here today, welcome. Uh, We love having you here, and I hope you find a home here. But God's judgment is coming. How do I know this? Acts 17.31 says, He, that is God, has set a day when he is going to judge the world in righteousness by the man Jesus he has appointed. He's provided proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. Many of us identify with the sons-in-law on some level. We doubt judgment is really coming because either we don't believe God exists or we think that we'll be okay on that day of judgment, that we're good enough to pass, pass the mark, so to speak. Um, but the fact of the matter is, judgment is coming. We deserve it. And God has proven this by the, through the death and resurrection of Jesus. For so many reasons that I won't get into now, 
uh, we can believe on good secular evidence that uh, Jesus did in fact die and rise again. For those of you who do want to investigate more about this, we have a lot of history buffs in the room who can point you toward very dry, very dusty tomes in, made in universities around the world. Um, alternatively, you can simply ask them to summarize what they've learned in their degree and save you the trouble. But don't miss the warning signs. Uh, the warning signs. It's very big and it's very loud. Don't minimize it, don't ignore it, and especially don't laugh it off. Eternal death is too big an issue um, to treat like that. Before we get too depressed, there is more. Judgment is coming, we deserve it, but mercy is coming also. We see it in this passage with Lot and his family. God shows them mercy by letting them escape this judgment of Sodom and Gomorrah. We know, though, that Lot and his family deserve this judgment just as much as the rest of the people in that town. Lot tried to pimp out his daughters, and his daughters tried to commit, sorry, they did commit incest. Um, yet God chose not to punish them for this. Justice comes to everyone except Lot and his family. And a friend, a friend at work was caught uh, speeding on his pay plates and faced a ban from driving for a while. However, at work, he's the guy that delivers the tools to all our sites, and our sites are all over Sydney, so for him, driving is absolutely essential to his work and to our company's work. He chose to go to court and beg for mercy from the judge, and the judge uh, was gracious and let him still drive his work vehicle, even though he deserved to be punished with the full weight of the law. In the same way, Lot and his family are saved, even though they were just as bad as the rest of them. From this passage, we see God's character is two things. One, he is just and will punish everyone according to their actions. But two, he is merciful. He will save some, even though they don't deserve it. What does this mean for us? We are sinners who deserve judgment. Um, But the good news is that Jesus provides a way for God to show us both his justice and his mercy. John 5.24 says, I assure you, anyone who hears my words and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not come under judgment but has passed from death to life. Jesus' death means that he died the death we deserve. Justice that should have been dealt to us was dealt to Jesus instead. And if we believe in Jesus, we get eternal life because we are now without sin. You see, Lot, uh, you see, with Lot, the story wasn't over. What about the justice that Lot deserved? There was nothing... Who paid the penalty for his sin? The answer doesn't become clear until the New Testament. With, well, it doesn't become clear until the New Testament. With Jesus, no one gets away with it. The only difference will be, does the justice we deserve get poured out on us, or does it get poured out on Jesus? So who will get away with it? No one. Sodom and Gomorrah show us that God will judge everyone, and everyone deserves death. But there is good news. 
God has shown mercy to the people who believe in Jesus and what he has done by dying on the cross. Judgment is coming, but so is mercy. Thank you. Let me pray. Um, God, I thank you for this passage um, that you're just 100% clear about what your intention for humanity is, that you will not leave any sin unpunished. And that is a good thing for people who have been victimized and they're, and they're victim and the people that have committed the sin against them have gotten away with it. But we do thank you also that you love us so much that you chose to show us mercy as well. Um, and I pray that uh, we'd always be thankful for this and that, um, yeah, we trust you um, and show other people um, how they can escape the coming judgment. In your son's name, amen.